This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where we take a closer look and dig a little deeper into this week's sermon. What's going on, Bible nerds? How we doing? How we doing? What up? What up? What up? So, let's open those Bibles. Let's talk about it. No, I can't do that. Dang it. No, it doesn't work. Not, not it, on this one. It combines with... Shoot. Okay, I'll, I'll keep... I like the open the Bible thing, though. No? Hmm. I mean, you do have to open the Bible to read the Bible, so. Yeah, so let's open the Bible. I don't know. I'm a little tired to be thinking about <laughs> be thinking about ways to market this podcast better. Fair enough. I mean, dude, we've been doing this podcast for what, like six months now? Seven months? Um, well, this is episode 30, mm-hmm. so more than half a year, because half a year would be 26 episodes. Okay. So, yeah, we're at about seven months. So, we've been doing this podcast about seven months, and we're still working this stuff out. (laughs) Well, you know. That's funny. That's how it works. It happens. So, I want to go back just for a second to our um, traditional Baptist roots and do a very traditional Baptist thing. I've got a praise report. Okay. (laughs) Dig it. All right. Um, So... After last week's episode of A Closer Look, when we started recording that episode, right before your sermon, okay, um, I have been trying to be more conscious about giving God everything that I can in one day. Mm. Just been way more conscious about it. And this morning, I saw the effects of it. Nice. I woke up wide awake at 5 a.m., very weird for me, if you guys don't know. Yeah. I'm not a morning person. Clayton is not a morning person. I woke up at 5 a.m., wide awake, and in a good mood. Wow. Um, and so I just laid in bed and started praying um, and just kind of talked with God for a bit and um, started a new uh, devotional plan uh, by N.T. Wright on the, the Bible app, on the version. Um, about death and resurrection. And, Ooh. Yeah, I'm excited about it. So far, it's pretty good. Um, but, um, yeah, man, that's how I started my morning and then listened to our uncle's podcast um, for a little bit because that epi- this, today's episode for you guys was last week. Um, hadn't come out yet because it wasn't 9 o'clock. <laughs> so I started listening to old episodes of Advancement. And, yeah. Um, just gave God literally all that I could today. And um, I had a really good day. Yeah. I've had hardly any anxiety today. I was focused. I was productive. Um, and I was blessed financially. Yeah. Um, that's a long story. I'm not going to tell it. But yeah. Um, yeah. Just super crazy. Yeah. The way God rewards you for giving him the best that you can. That's it. That's all it is. The best yeah. that you can. That's the deal. I think if, I think the best way to say it is if you can find a way to give God the best you have, the best that you can give, 
he will give you in return the best that he has. Um, now it's not, you know, that's not a prosperity gospel thing. That doesn't mean that we won't have trials and sufferings and sure. all those things. But by and large, if you give God the best of what you have, he's going to give you the best of what he has. I was literally driving over to the studio today, um, preparing to record and just thinking about my day. Yeah. Um, and was brought to tears by the love just and the grace over, yeah. of God. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah, I just thought that that would be a, a great yeah. way to start this episode. Yeah, absolutely. Since it it is what we talked about last week, yeah. right? So that is good. But this week, continuing on mm-hmm. in Hebrews 11... And I know, I know if you're, if you're reading through Hebrews 11 with us, you're going to be like, Hey, you missed someone. <laughs> yeah. We skipped somebody. Yep. That's true. Um, uh, I'm skipping Enoch. Um, it's just because it's, there's just not much there to work with for this story, but for the well, yeah, story that, series, that's the deal that what the author of Hebrews is doing is says, because he was ascended, yeah, that he never died. He must've been a person of faith. Yeah. Even he didn't, even the author of Hebrews, he or she didn't know about Enoch. Well, there's nothing to know. (laughs) I mean, all we're told is... That he walked with God. And that he's a part of a a lineage, like a genealogy. And then he ascended. And then he ascended. That's all we know about Enoch. He has a total of like five verses in Genesis. Yeah. Genesis chapter five. Like that's that's his entire story. Yeah. Um, Super cool. Yeah. Um super cool like to read the genealogy and the the, those few verses there um but not really applicable for this story series i don't well it's well it's not that it's just that i mean i've already told you everything there is to tell you about enoch like yeah i mean but there's no way to fit it into like a restoration story no there's there's no like contrast of morally wrong to righteousness correct right correct um or to use for for Enoch to use the Hebrew word justice, right? Yep. There's yeah, no yeah. way to to find that. Sedekah, yep, yeah. Um, so, um, we're jumping to to Abraham. Abraham, yeah. And there's we're going to be with Abraham for a bit, yeah, because there's a lot to talk about with Abraham. Abraham's an important guy, very important guy, very important guy. And the author of Hebrews chooses two stories to detail out Abraham's faithfulness. Interestingly enough, only in one of the stories is Abraham fully faithful, (laughs) which I I think is the funny part about what's happening here. So Abraham's story is recorded from Genesis 12 to Genesis I think it's 28. I'm going to look this up real quick. Tower of Babel is in 11. Descendants of... Yeah. Uh, starts in 12. No, I know it starts in 12. I'm trying to see where he dies. Oh. Then I'm no help. Uh, yeah. No. <laughs> At least not right now. Um, uh, goes through 25. 25. Abram dies in 25. So he takes up a, like, per capita, more than anybody else... In Genesis. He's talking about more. Mm, well, no, because Genesis has like 50-something chapters. No, no, no. I mean, like, just all of the main characters throughout Genesis. Abraham is the one that's talked about longest. 
possibly because he's the father of the family yeah of which the it's israelites the comes from right so probably because everything goes back to him yeah that might be true i mean because he gets 12 chapters and you've got jacob or uh isaac, isaac jacob, jacob and esau and, and, and well then, and joseph and joseph yeah that are left and they get 26 chapters between them yeah so, so. yeah you're probably right um so an important dude even the super author, important even dude. the author of Genesis thought he was a, a super important dude. Yeah, super important dude. Like he cannot be overlooked. He everything about the Christian faith traces back to Abraham. Sure, um, and goes through Abraham. Abraham is the father of the promised people. Um, and interestingly enough, Abram. Well, he's actually originally found as Abram. Right. Then his name's changed, so he's Abram. And Abram is called in Genesis 12, and we're going to look at that because the author of Hebrews points out that this is a place where is, he is faithful. When God calls him to go, he goes. And the second place he says he's faithful is in the promise of an heir, which... We'll talk about that. Yeah, we're going to talk about it because he's not super faithful in that one. Not way. really. Um, but, so let's go to Genesis chapter 12. Why can the author of Hebrews say that Abram is faithful when he's called? Because, as the text says in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who uh, bless you. And the ones who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went. As the Lord had told him. Now. Where is he told to go? Nowhere. Yeah, that, that's exactly the point. He's not really told to go anywhere. He's told to leave to leave and go to the land that God will, in the future, show him. That's an immense amount of faith. Yeah. To just, God Back said, go. I'm going. That's an immense amount of faith, and I do not want to miss that. Yeah. Like, a lot of this, I'm telling this story series because I'm trying to reassure people that... Um, your decisions don't determine your destiny and your doubts about faith don't make you somehow not a person of faith because all of them have moments where they don't have faith. But this is a moment where Abram has immense faith. And it's the the, the beginning of Abram's story. Yeah, the too. very first story we're told of. Him. And, and immense, huge amounts of faith. Yep, yep. But yet, as we're going to talk about these next few weeks... Um, he has his faults too. Well, but yes, but at the same point, this is this is a very interesting thing. So Abram is seventy five years old. Yeah, when he's called and told to leave. Okay, so it says that in verse four. Yeah, he's seventy five years old, and he's leaving Haran. I've talked about this a few times on several of our different podcasts, but archaeologists are pretty sure they found Haran, mm. and specifically the city of Haran where Abram lived. It's a really advanced place. Mm. It had running water. They were building apartment buildings. Like 
not skyscrapers, but multi-story buildings, uh, very advanced. I mean, it had indoor plumbing. Wow. They made these trenches through on the hillside to, to flush out and bring water into the city. Like it, it was very advanced for what it was. And here God shows up and says, Hey, Abram, this, this cool life you've lived for 75 years here in your father's country with all your kinfolk. Uh, you need to leave. It's time to go. Okay. Uh, I guess God. So he up and leaves. Um, interesting. This is one of the places where, you know, in Jesus, we see Jesus often say, leave everything behind and come and follow me. Abram's kind of told the same thing, Mm -hmm. but he doesn't actually leave everything behind. No, not totally. He brings lot with him, which ends up turning into kind of a thing. Later, Later, which we talked about a couple weeks ago. Well, not even that. They they end up getting into kind of like a family feud in chapter 13, and they have to separate. They got to split their herds and and separate and go to different areas. And that's why Lot ends up at Sodom. And the whole debacle that happens there. Yeah. The whole thing. So you could argue very shallowly that even in this Lot, I mean, Abram wasn't totally faithful because he brings Lot, but... God doesn't actually say he can't bring anyone. He just says you need to leave. Yeah. And so I'm going to call him faithful. I'm going to call him immensely faithful in this moment. Absolutely. Um, But so that is a promise or that that's a reference in Hebrews 11 that Abram absolutely lives up to. Yep. Sub like he's there. He's on par. He's definitely faithful in this moment to leave this luxurious lifestyle that he has. Yeah. It's also a very wealthy dude. Yeah, because it says um, Abram took his wife uh, and his brother's son Lot and all of the possessions that they had gathered. So all of the possessions they had gathered. Well, and the persons whom they had acquired acquired that means they had slaves. They're slaves. Yeah. So that that's how you know they're really wealthy. Yeah, because they got slaves. So. Abram's a very wealthy guy. Yeah. Now, interesting. Here's the first time that we're told the promise of what's going to come for Abram. Mm. Abram is going to become the father of the nation of Israel. Yep. Abram will have a child that is named Isaac. Isaac will have a son named Jacob whose name is changed to Israel. Abram is the father of this family that turns into a nation. That is the Israelites, which are now Jews, just Jewish people, ethnically Jewish people. Right here, after his call, we're told the first time of what's going to happen. So, Abram does not have any children at this time. And he's told, this is in, um, this is in verse 6. Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Morah. 
At the time the Canaanites were in the land, verse 7, then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there, he moved on to the hill country on the east of Bethel. and da, da, da. He goes on about his day. But that's the first time that Abram's promised an offspring. Because yeah. if God says, I'm going to give your offspring this land, which oddly enough is the cursed land. Yeah. If you go back to Genesis 10, two chapters earlier, Noah curses Canaan, mm-hmm. who's the father of this land, which is now being told to be the land of restoration for Abram's people. Big circle. Yeah, don't miss the circle about Big what's circle. happening here. That's a that's a huge hyperlink. Yeah, should you can't miss that. So he shows up to this land and says, "Hey, I'm gonna give your offspring this land." Well, Abram doesn't have any kids. Yeah. So, but kind of a you shouldn't miss that. Okay. Absolutely. So this not. is the first promise Abram gets that he's gonna have a kid. And oh, by the way, he's 75 years old. Yeah, super old guy. Yeah, kind of a kind of a problem here. Yeah, not much swimmers left, if any at all. Now, I want to be sympathetic to the man of great faith, Father Abraham. The very next story does not shed Abram in a very good light. No, not really. So, this is verse 10, literally, right after. Now there's a famine in the land, so Abram went down to Egypt to reside there as an alien, for the famine was severe in the land. When he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarah, I know well that you are a woman, beautiful in appearance. And when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they'll kill me, but they will let you live. Say you are my sister, so that it may well go well with me because of you, and that my life may be spared on your account. When Abram entered, this, entered Egypt, the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful. When the officials of Pharaoh saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. And for her sake, he dealt well with Abram. And he had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male and female slaves, female donkeys, and camels. So now he's even more rich. Yeah, now he's even more rich. But the Lord afflicted Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarah, Abram's wife. So Pharaoh called Abram and said, what is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she's my sister so that I took her for my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and be gone. Pharaoh gave his men orders concerning him, and they set him on the way with his wife and all that he had. So, whoa. Whoa, 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 whoa. What, what does verse 17 say? I've never noticed this before until just now. But the Lord afflicted Pharaoh and his house with great, great plagues. plagues. Oh, yeah. Oh, you're, you're seeing the, the foreshadowing? Yeah. Yeah. So been- God has not plagued Egypt just once. <laughs> no, no. Or this happened least, before. <laughs> or at least Pharaoh's house in Egypt. Yeah, right, right. Uh, yeah. That happened before too, y'all. There are many a things written about the foreshadowing that happens right there. Yeah. There are many, many a things written about that. And also, we, Cullen was reading it as Sarah, but Sarah's name also gets changed yeah, later. Yeah, Sarai. It's Sarai. Yeah, um, currently. Um, but. 
currently in the story. That here's is. the here's the thing. So Abram was just promised an offspring. Yeah. And yet, he gets into a situation where he's got to decide: Do I save my own skin or do I trust God? And oh, by the way, in order for me to save my own skin, I basically got to. I've got to pimp my wife out. That's a very crude way of saying it, but even Pharaoh says in verse 19, 19, why did you say she's my sister so that I took her for my wife? Took is a past tense word. Mm-hmm. Meaning he had slept with her. I, I, th- I don't think that, I think that's what's intended to be read here. Yeah. Abram handed his wife over to be God only knows what happened to her in Pharaoh's court just to save his own skin because apparently she's very beautiful and he's 75 years old. Yeah. I think it's safe to say that Abram wavered in his faith a little bit. <laughs> like He was so. just promised a kid. Yep. And when he gets into a little bit of trouble, he doesn't say, well, God promised me. He says, wait, let me con my way out of this. Let me lie here. Because by the way, as much as some people say, Sarah's not actually his sister. He just lied. Yeah, let me me get a little bit practical here for a moment. Maybe this is where you're going. I don't know. How many times have we done that? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's where you're going? Well, that's where the story goes. Yeah, yeah. Um, How many times have we as Christians known and been promised grace, been promised restoration, been promised a second coming of Jesus, and still have doubts, still take things into our own hands, and try to do things that only God himself can do. That's the great part about stories. is It's very easy to see ourselves in, in the stories. We are Abram. Absolutely. Every one of us do exactly what Abram did. Exactly. Now, I don't, I, I mean, I get the culture is a little bit different in things. I, I don't know that I'm just handing my wife over to be prostituted or just to like whatever happens there. No, but there's other clearly things. it's sexual in nature. So I, I wouldn't sure. do that. But Abram got different struggles than I have. Clearly, yeah. I, I mean, it, also not, nobody's threatening to kill me for my wife. So and, and it, this is not a shot at Abram. No, not at right? all. Like this is just us. We're, yeah, we're literally we're, saying we're, we are Abram. We're trying to help you see that, like, no matter how you see yourself, yeah. You're going to screw up. Yep. And it's okay. Yep. God loves you. Yep. No matter what. Absolutely. Like, the, this mistake of Abram, and I'm pretty confident calling it a mistake. 100%. It, it doesn't determine Abram's destiny. Just like our decisions don't determine ours, his decisions don't determine his. Now, he does some really crappy things. Like, yeah. I'm not going to, like, we're not going to miss that. So we go on and God comes back in chapter 15 
and begins to tell Abram some more about the covenant he's making with him. And Abram's kind of pissed off at him, actually. Verse 3, Abram said, You've given me no offspring. Like, what you doing, bro? Where, where's my kid? And so, Abram and him are kind of having a conversation. Um, and God continues to assure him, I'm going to give you an offspring. I'm going to give you an offspring. I'm going to give you an offspring. He says down here in verse 13, Then the Lord said to Abram, Know this for certain, that your offspring shall be aliens in a land that is not theirs, and shall be, shall be slaves there, and they shall be oppressed for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterwards they shall come out with great possessions. As for yourself, you shall go to your ancestors in peace. You should be buried in a good old age. You should come back here, yada, yada, yada. God's detailing all kinds of things out for him. Yeah. Telling him exactly telling what him ends up happening. Story. Yeah, telling him exactly what ends up being recorded in Exodus. Yeah. God's laying it all out for him. You're going to have a kid. Chill out. This is on my time, not yours. And, and the way it's recorded, I don't know, I read it very peacefully. Right? Like, I don't read it as God, like, trying to beat Abram over the head with this either. Like, yeah. He's not saying, oh, ye of little faith, right? Like, that's not what's happening here. Well, yeah, the, so I didn't... Like, I don't... That's not how I'm reading it. That's not what... It's, no, it's it's definitely a reassuring thing. Yeah, I didn't like, read it, but verses 7 through 11 are actually God somewhat trying to prove his devotion to Abram there, because Abram says, how, will I, how can I be sure that I'll possess it? And God says, we'll do this. And he makes a covenant. Yeah. So it's very much so in... A reassuring kind of experience. Sure. But Abram, once again, just doesn't get it right. Yeah. Chapter 16 is a story where Abram's wife, Sarah, she has a slave girl, a handmaiden, named Hagar, and it's actually Sarah's idea. Mm -hmm. And Sarah said to Abram, you see the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my slave girl. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarah. That's not right, Abram. She's an Egyptian. You're trying to birth a kid out of the people that are going to enslave you. You were just told that Egypt's not the way to go. Mm. You just saw God put plagues on Pharaoh, which are being foreshadowed for Exodus, which yeah. is being told again to you two chapters later, and yet you choose to sleep with an Egyptian to have a kid because that's somehow the promised offspring. No, bro. No, you you got too many clues here that this ain't the way to do it. It's a bad idea. <laughs> Yo. 
Bad, <laughs> bad idea. idea. So, long story short, and, <laughs> and then Abram said, okay, all day. <laughs> <laughs> all day, yeah. So, after Abram had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her slave girl, and gave her to her husband, Abram, as a wife. He went into Hagar, and she conceived. When she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. Then Sarah said to Abram, May the wrong done to me be on you. I gave my slave girl to your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. So it's all Sarah's idea. Then she gets in a hissy fit about it. And Abram's response is, look, homegirl, she's your slave. Do what you want with her. Oh, by the way, this is also the mother of your kid, Abram. Yeah. The one that you were trying to force to yeah. be the promised kid. Yeah. <laughs> We just got father of the year after father of the year after father of the year recorded in the whole Testament Genesis narrative. Mother ain't too great neither. No. I mean, the whole thing here is just abysmal. Yeah. And yet, the author of Hebrews can somehow say that Abram is faithful to the covenant. He's actually not. At all. No. For time's sake, I'm not going to tell it. But once again, we get a story. So in chapter 18, um, Abraham and Sarah, their names have been changed now, are promised a kid. They're once again promised a kid. And then we take an intermission from their story to get the Genesis 19 issue with Lot. Then we pick up again in chapter 20. Okay, We're, We resume with Abram's story in chapter 20. He does the same crap that he did in chapter 12 or 13 with Sarah being his sister, again. He does it again. He's given a chance to not make the same mistake. He's just been in the same pattern, reassured of his promise. Then we resume, and once again, he tells her, say you're my sister. Say you're my sister. Well, Exactly what's said is in verse 2, Abraham said of his wife, Sarah, she is my sister. And King Abimelech. <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce some of these words. Yada, yada, yada. Sent and took Sarah. And the, that word there, took, is important. Yeah. Now... One of these, it does say, I think it's this one. 
Yeah, it's this one. Then God said to him in the dream, this is um, to Abimelech. Um, and verse, um, sorry, verse, yeah, so verse 2, Abram said of his wife Sarah, she's my sister and king Abimelech of Gerar sent and took Sarah. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, you are about to die because of the woman you have taken, for she is a married woman. Now Abimelech had not approached her, so he said, Lord, will you destroy an innocent people? Did he not himself say to me, she is my sister? And she herself said, he is my brother. And I did this in the integrity of my heart and the innocence of my hands. Then God said to him in the dream, yes, I know that you did this in the integrity of your heart. Furthermore, it was I who kept you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. So mm-hmm. at least this time we're told that she wasn't slept with. Mm-hmm. The last time we're not told that. Yeah, but the intention. Was oh, yeah, to- the intention was absolutely for that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not sure why he took her and then went to bed. Maybe there were like wedding arrangements, something that he was trying to do or something. I don't know. But anyways, we're given the option or Abram's given the option to do the thing right that he didn't do right the first time by giving her away. And he messes up again. And it's the exact same pattern. He's given a promise of a kid. He gives her away. He's given a promise of a kid. He gives her away. And oddly enough, after two fail, three failures of the same thing, in chapter 21, Isaac is born, the promised child. And right after Isaac is born, they kick out Hagar and Ishmael, yep. the handmaid and her son. Which is where we get a large mess of hoopla oh yeah from throughout history (laughs) yeah i mean ishmael ends up fathering a group of people that become very very big enemies of the canaanite i mean of the israelites esau ends up esau ends up marrying a daughter of ishmael which is a whole thing about how that plays out that Jacob I loved and Esau hated. And I mean, there's just so much that plays out here. And it's all because Abraham actually wasn't at every turn faithful to the covenant promise of God. Nope. But yet, once again, our decisions do not determine our destiny. That's right. God is still in control and God has promised Abram, you're going to have an offspring. And this is what's going to happen. And even as much as you try to screw it up, Abram, because you are trying to screw it up, apparently, I am in control because God is in control of your destiny. It's not yours to control. It's God's to control. It's your job to own the destiny that God has given you.